I'm Jesse. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. All right, we're going to preach on this this weekend, but I want to introduce it during our devotions and sort of tie some strings back to the previous chapters. I know that a sermon like this would take about five hours to preach, but I really feel like chapters 12 and 13 and 14 all need to be taught collectively. And if you haven't been with us, then you're missing some of the running start into this. Uh, and if you haven't, if you, if, you only, if you missed chapter 14, you only heard uh, chapter 12, then you're not getting the whole picture on tongue. So forgive me while I review some of the previous chapter stuff. I want to take a string from chapter 14 and tie it back to chapter 12, tie it back to chapter 13. So you get the whole collective, cumulative teaching of 12 and 13 and 14 of 1 Corinthians. Here's 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verses 1 and 2. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the spirit. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So the first words are pursue love. This ties the string back to chapter 13, which is in our curriculum this week. All right, join a small group at redemptionwashington.com or start a small group. Reach out to us at redemptionwashington.com slash groups and get started today. If you're a little iffy about meeting with people in person for now, do a Zoom group, start a Zoom group. We have a Zoom subscription at the church. We're happy to lend you the login credentials to be able to start your own group when it suits you and to be able to go through this curriculum together because there's a lot to talk about here. All of it is to be exercised in love and our curriculum goes through chapter 13, the love chapter, if you will, in the context of spiritual gifts. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love means that you're intentional about this. Desire spiritual gifts means that unlike I was when I was a little kid growing up, you don't try to keep spiritual gifts at bay because you're freaked out about going too far with them. You're afraid of charismania or whatever word you want to ascribe to the misuse of spiritual gifts as was ubiquitous within the church of Corinth. No, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. So you may speak what the word of God says. You may share the word of God with others. <clears throat> For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, but to God, since no one understands him. This sets the trajectory for the remainder of the chapter. When you pray in tongues, you're praying for yourself. It is a very, not, not in a bad way, but it is a selfish prayer. Like you're praying for yourself. No one's edified by what you're saying if you're praying in tongues. If you've ever heard anybody pray in tongues before, you just don't understand what they're saying. You're really, you're edifying yourself. You're praying for yourself. Paul in this chapter is going to say that I praise God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in the context of the church, while the church is gathered, when everybody's there at AMC Theater in Factoria at 10 a.m. on Sundays, all right, no, he doesn't actually say that in the text. When everybody's together, I don't want you to speak out in tongues. You, you keep quiet in church. That's between you and God. I do, it's like I'd rather you speak five intelligible words, meaning words that people can understand than 10,000 words in a tongue. Why? Because people don't understand what you're saying when you speak in tongues. He's going to give these provisos that will harken back to, let me draw another thread from chapter 12, those who can interpret tongues. If somebody's going to speak out in tongues in church, you've got to have interpretation present. And you've got to be like two people doing this at the most. If you remember in chapter 12, we see this hierarchy of the gifts and the hierarchy of the offices of the church. At first of all, it begins with apostles like Paul. 
in chapter 15, he's going to describe himself as an apostle who just was born at the wrong time. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating various kinds of tongues. Right, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in other tongues? Do all interpret? We see that office of interpreter was introduced before. We see that already in the, the Chronicle of the Spirit, the, the, this cataloging of spiritual gifts. So <clears throat> if you speak in tongues, you're just talking to God. No one understands you. You're speaking mysteries in the Spirit, which means that you don't even know what you're praying. You don't even know what you're talking about. In verse 3, on the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people and for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So <clears throat> you don't have to have the gift of tongues. I cannot believe it. I just, I'm part of an online group of pastors, and a guy asked this legitimately, like, is or speaking in tongues necessary for salvation. So I know this question is asked. I just answered it this morning with this exact same text. But you don't need to speak in tongues in order to be saved. If you don't ever have the gift of tongues, praise God, you've got other gifts by which you serve in the church. But if you've ever wondered about the gift of tongues, you want a biblical definition for the gift of tongues that's proper placement within the church, you're speaking mysteries in the spirit that you don't understand, other people don't know what you're saying. As we continue in chapter 14, through into this weekend, you're going to see that Paul puts clear guidelines for how this gift is to be exercised. So if you don't have the gift of tongues, it's all right. You can pray. You can pray. You don't need tongues in order to pray. If you do have the gift of tongues, that's for you and you alone. You pray to God. Nobody's there to interpret. Nobody knows what you're saying. You can't build anybody else up with your gift of tongues. So if you came from a charismatic background, a lot of times my friends from charismatic church have just genuinely never studied this passage before. They don't understand it. Now that's not, that's a blanket statement. There's a whole lot of charismatic churches out there, but I've yet to personally interact with somebody who came from the charismatic church who really delved into this passage. And I've been the one who introduced this chapter to at least five of my charismatic friends. This is what the gift of tongues does. It just edifies you and you alone. In the context of the gathering of the believers, there's to be prophecy in intelligible speech where people understand what you're saying because you're speaking the language that they speak. That's 1 Corinthians 14. That is then loving, is it not? To see how this thread ties from chapter 13 and chapter 12. Because I love you. I want to speak in a language that you speak. I want to speak in a language that you understand. If I pray personally and for myself, nobody else has to hear that. And evidently, when you pray with the gift of tongues, you don't even need to understand what you're saying. You're praying to God in the Spirit. It's a mystery to even you, the speaker. But when you prophesy, when you speak the Word of God, you're edifying the church. You're building up the church. You're consoling those who are hurting. If you're hurting and I come to you with a language you don't understand, it's a little consolation to you. It's a little healing to your soul. This is God's design for the gift of tongues. I pray that if you're coming to the Redemption Church from a, a charismatic background, that you stick with us, you hear this out, because we do have people who come from the charismatic background. We do have people in our church who pray in tongues. They just don't do it in corporate worship. They do it privately in their own prayer lives. They do it while they're driving down 405 to keep them from flying into a fit of rage. They do it while they're watching the news so they don't go off on everybody. <laughs> they do it because they're praying for a revival in our area. They do it privately. They do it during their quiet times. They won't do it in corporate worship and we won't do it from the platform because of this text. Let's do all that we do with all of our spiritual gifts in accordance with scripture's design. 
Because the same passage that teaches us about the spiritual gifts gives us guidelines for the spiritual gifts. The church is not to be chaotic. It's not to be a free-for-all. It's to be done neatly and in order. This is 1 Corinthians 14.